have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are taking a look back at the 2000, just the year 2000 movie, uh, <laughs> directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by William Broyles Jr., and starring Tom Hanks, Cast Away. I said it that way because it's two words. So this movie was actually requested by one of our listeners, uh, Michelle, uh, because... She was uh, quarantined, and she's like, hey, so I just watched Castaway. Any chance you guys are going to review that? And here we are. And I'm so thrilled, too, because uh, we'll go into it, but this movie means a lot to me personally. And uh, yeah, this movie, it's its the right time to do this movie. Absolutely. Uh, and if you are hazy on the movie Castaway, let me uh, give you, let me actually deliver uh this synopsis, so Chuck Nolan, played by Tom Hanks, has everything. Success in a high-pressure, high-paying job with FedEx, uh, close friends, and a woman who loves him, uh, played by uh, Mad About You star Helen Hunt. Uh, the only thing he doesn't have is enough time. This is reading more like a, <laughs> like a rom-com, but it's not. Uh, this changes when he is in a plane crash and finding himself the sole survivor. He washes up on an uninhabited tropical island where he has to figure out how to survive. Now Chuck has all the time he could ever want and nothing else but his own wits and his own two hands. Uh, so a lot of people uh, kind of credit this as being an updated version of the uh, Robinson Crusoe story um, of, you know, a, a man being a sole survivor and living on an uninhabited island, such and such. Um, but the film was actually um, an original concept by Tom Hanks. Um, so Tom Hanks said that he got the idea for the film after reading an article about FedEx. Uh, quote, uh, I realized that 747s filled with packages fly across the Pacific three times a day. What happens if one of those goes down? Uh, he said in a flawless Tom Hanks impression. It's, it's like Woody reading the news. <laughs> yeah. You're a toy. Uh, so he took the idea and combined it with his interest in how to survive without the five required elements for living. Food, water, shelter, fire, and companionship. And so then he partnered with Apollo 13 screenwriter William Boyles Jr. Uh, and it took them six years to shape the story with Tom Hanks and director Robert Zemeckis to almost a method degree. So Tom Hanks actually put on like 30 additional pounds before filming. And they filmed the first half of the movie, basically. Um, and then they took a year off for him to uh, lose like almost 50 pounds uh, and to drastically change his appearance. And then they start filming again. Uh, and so they, they put a lot of labor of love and intensity into this movie. Uh, Cause like Tom Hanks, like really grew his hair out. That's all his hair. Um, and that's, th that's his body. So they made this movie with a budget of $94 million and it went on to make $429 Ooh. million dollars worldwide. That's twice the size of Texas. <laughs> it, it it really is. I mean, it, it, this movie uh, went on to inspire a lot of things. But in my research, because this was a common misconception, it did not 
go on to inspire the hit television reality show Survivor. In fact, Survivor predates Castaway by a couple of months. Not by a lot, but by a couple of months. Uh, So it was released uh, May 31st, 2000. And Castaway actually came out December of that same year. Oh, because it is another secret Christmas movie. (laughs) That's right. You're right. It is. Oh, my gosh. I completely even missed that. That's so great. Uh, And so, but it did go on to inspire uh, the hit television show Lost. Uh, They were really trying to make Castaway the TV show. Uh, uh, But the original writer uh, sent it to a studio and... They didn't want it, and then it found its way uh, onto J.J. Uh, Abrams' desk, and he added more sci-fi elements, and we ultimately ended up with Lost, the series. Uh, and so uh, this movie was just such a huge movie because it's it was a fairly existential blockbuster, like pun always intended. These kinds of movies don't always make this big of a splash in the box office. I mean... <laughs> It's not your traditional feel-good film, but it did very well for itself. And it goes on today, even like 20 years uh, after its release, still making uh, a cultural impact. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when like, I saw this in theaters, too. You could tell as you were watching it that this was going to be a big film. Um, and I'm going to say up front... To any listeners, there will definitely be spoilers in this review. So if you have not seen Castaway, which might be possible, uh, please go see it before listening to uh, this episode because there will be spoilers. So that being said, when I was watching it in the theater, there was an audible gasp from the audience when the four years later text appeared. And you could tell like, oh, this this is hit an emotional core with audience members. And um, yeah, it's it's a big movie with a small cast, which is really uh, pretty fascinating. And, and like you were saying, they don't really make this kind of movie very often, but the, the quality of the... Um, of like the plane crash and the, the way that they had to shoot it where it, there's no soundtrack while he's on the island. Uh, I don't know if you realize that. It, it's very wow. much like a, a quiet place where as long as he's on the island, he is alone. It is Tom Hanks and Wilson and the sand. And it's not until he really hits that wave and like lets the, the wings fly that – the music comes back. And so there's a lot of elements that support the style of the movie, even to the degree of, um, well, it got nominated for Best Actor for Tom Hanks and nominated for Best Sound because the sound, so much of the dialogue had to be ADR. They had to go back and put it in because they were fighting with the sounds of the surf. And you, you cannot tell. Um, it's just incredible what they've done at a technical level for something that is, um, uh, it's so seemingly simple, you know, you're like, Oh, one actor, one location, fine. No, so much production went into this, even to the degree of they put the, the crew on the Island for several days and had the crew, uh, experiment with survival techniques just so everyone was on the same page. And uh, this was one of the first movies as a kid where I watched 
every single bonus feature on the DVD. Um, I I remember there was one sick day where I watched the movie, then I watched every bonus feature. So it's really fitting since I've been very sick this week as well that we went back and we watched this and we're exploring it. And I remember just being in awe of um, the relationship they had with the residents of the island and really wanting to do this the right way um, and being very thoughtful about making sure that they were respectful of the space and um, able to execute on a, on a vision and not um, you know, overstep their bounds in the production of the thing. And Lost ended up taking the same kind of approach where uh, there were times when they couldn't dig down because that beach didn't allow digging. And so they would have to go out of their way to create these structures with the plane. And so I think Castaway really set the tone for this is how you do this type of story the right way. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, even like you talked about the production, even with the writer, screenwriter William Broyles Jr., uh, while researching the film, consulted with professional survival experts uh, and then stranded himself one week on an isolated beach in the Gulf of California to force himself to search for water, food, and obtain his own shelter. Uh, But during this time, a volleyball washed up on shore. And that is the inspiration for Wilson. Uh, (laughs) He he just felt that that was necessary. And it also lent itself to be able to have dialogue with one person scene kind of thing. Um, But it's it's I think there was just so much care put into this movie um, and it shows. I mean, when you talked about there being audible gas, I watched this movie with my wife and there were two audible gas because she had seen the movie before. But it had been a while when the when the four years later popped up, she said, oh, I was like, oh, I, and I forgot. I forgot how long he was on the island by himself. Yeah. One thousand five hundred days is what he marks on the rock. Oh, man. I mean, but then but I just remember the only thing I remember is like after he loses his tooth, that's like a midpoint. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's the thing I remembered. And then when that happened, she was like, wait, did you, did you remember that? I was like, not the time, but the second gasp was she remembered the movie ended with him going back to where the movie started, uh, which Mm -hmm. is something I completely forgot about, uh, last time I watched it, but the movie begins and ends at that crossroads in Texas. And Mm -hmm. she said, wait, the movie's about to end? He doesn't get back with the girl? And she was just so upset. (laughs) She was just so upset. She's like, listen, I can can excuse violence and traumatic experiences, but I draw the line at heartbreak. (laughs) Like, that was just where she was. Uh, Because, I mean, this movie is not your traditional movie. I mean, Tom Hanks even said in an interview... um, that he wanted to not tell a standard story, quoting, because there's a standard way of telling this story, and that's to have a rich, snotty guy who's obviously not in touch with what's important and blah, 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 and then he learns a lesson. He's not like that anymore. But Chuck... We're crossing into, like, Don Knotts ah, at yeah, this so point. I should just... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I should no, just, go for no, it. No, no, no. The quote's almost over. I'll end it. Uh, <laughs> But Chuck learns no such great lessons, end quote. The basic themes of the film are physical and spiritual survival. Uh, And as Hanks told the Los Angeles Times, I didn't want to show a man conquering his environment, but rather the effect the environment has on him. I want to deal with subject matter that was largely verboten in mainstream movies, taking the concept of a guy trapped against the elements with no external forces, no pirates, 
he said, no pirates. Who would ever do that? Um, no bad guys. And tell it in a way that challenged the normal cinematic narrative structure. And uh, and that's what this that movie does. It really does take you on a huge journey. And that's also, you know, something that Robert Zemeckis certainly has a type for. Mm-hmm. And it definitely has no pirates because he is the captain he the is. whole time. Yep. He is the uh, captain now and forever in this film. Yeah. And they, they do so many great things with this movie too. And I, um, like I mentioned before, it's a, a very important movie to me. I've seen it countless times. Um, actually countless because, well, when I was in middle school, like I made a castaway Lego set and would go forward and like rewind it and try to get all the details right. Nice. I, it was pretty dark though, because it even had like the test hanging dummy from one of the branches. <laughs> and then, uh, it had, I had a Wilson volleyball in high school. And, um, I think when you met me, I still had a Wilson volleyball. Oh yeah. Uh, in my dorm room in college and in college as well, I, I wrote a paper on Castaway about the the structure of it because you mentioned that the tooth being uh, uh, like a midpoint. I would argue part of what this was arguing was that it's actually a, a secret four act structure disguised as a three act that you, you're led to believe that. You know, there's three acts on uh, you know that that second act is purely the island, but. Really, you have four distinct acts between pre-island, you know, young Chuck, island Chuck, and then post-island, um, and the definitive marker being you can't go back at any point. That's what a Ooh. good you know, act break is. There's no way island Chuck can go back to, you know, first arriving on the island Chuck. So um, I, I dove deep on this. I. I I've written about it. I've recut this movie after I graduated. I recut this movie a bunch of different ways. Um, and my favorite one being uh, kind of a lost style where it starts with him on the island and then flashed back to before. But then when it transitions to four years later, it starts flashing forward. And so I have that's why it's countless the number of times I've seen this because I just I go through all of these scenes. This movie is. You know, it, it is a desert island movie for me. This would be the one I would take just to get ideas. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to see if there are any uh, ice skates on this island. But this movie uh, I, I love so much and I, I love exploring it. There's actually a, an Easter egg um, on the DVD bonus features where if you like click the right way, it'll tell you um, what was in the package and when I heard about this, I was so excited. And then I clicked on it, and it's like Robert Zemeckis being like, "Oh yeah, no, it was um, it was a waterproof solar powered GPS cell phone." <laughs> it's like, "Oh okay, so that's okay, but not really." Okay, got it. Oh my gosh, Grayson, can you please like make an Instagram story and show us how to get there? Yeah, I can do that. I I want that so badly. Please and thank you. Speaking of that, they actually FedEx uh, during the 2003 Super Bowl actually uh parried the film um where someone who looks like island um tom hanks returns a package to the sender and he's like i've been marooned on an island for four years and the only thing that kept me alive was this package and i wanted to deliver it to you because i work for fedex <laughs> like actual dialogue <laughs> and then uh she says oh well thank you so much for your dedication and then he's about to walk away and he said actually what's in the package and she says 
Oh, just some silly stuff. Uh, a satellite phone, GPS locator, fishing rod, water purifier. Oh, and some seeds. Just silly stuff. <laughs> and it just goes up. FedEx will always be there for you. Um, so I, I think that that's amazing. I, I, and FedEx. Non-canon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, FedEx, here's the thing that I thought was one of the most interesting uh, facts about this production. FedEx paid no money for the product placement in this film. Mm. Like, not a dime. They were just like, originally, they were like, wait a second. Our plane does what overseas? Um, and But they said, <laughs> I think I remember reading a quote where they read that, like, well, we're not product placement. We are a character in this movie. Uh, yeah. And they read the script ahead of time, which always and, helps. I've heard yeah. <laughs> when, rather than sitting in the theaters being like, "What kind of claims are you making? Uh, who signed off on this?" But it was interesting to read that because of this movie, job applications to FedEx increased by thirty percent. Wow! So I think that gamble paid off for them. Yeah, they are essential. Yeah, well, I've always, I, because of this movie, I've always, and this is not a sponsor for us either, favored FedEx over like UPS or whatever, because I was like, oh, yeah, FedEx, this the castaway deal. Um, it was like, sure, what can Brown do for you? <laughs> it's not get you home after being stranded on an island. Right. It's what FedEx did for Chuck Nolan. And only FedEx. So I know you've watched this movie countless times. Was there anything you noticed this time around that you hadn't noticed before? Yeah, I think there's always you know some level of detail. I think this time I was really, uh, because when I was doing my recutting, I was making it so much about his experience on the island. Um, I think it's really easy to forget that they're, they pack some really interesting story uh, before and after, specifically with the ranch that he's delivering to. So it opens with that the package that the FedEx man is delivering to a ranch that we see as like Dick and Bettina's ranch. And you see that Bettina is a welder. She's got all of the these angel wings, kind of the sculptures that she's making. Um, it's like iron welded together, all that kind of stuff. It's painted everywhere. And she's listening to Elvis Presley with 50 million fans. Can't be wrong. And she, you know, sends this package to her husband then, uh, who is Dick in Russia. He's wearing the cowboy hat to show he's from Texas. And then his mistress walks up and he's like, it's from my wife. And so then when he returns, connected those dots, right? See, like really subtle, nice storytelling <sighs> that they're doing in the margins of this movie. And so when he goes back to the ranch, Dick's name has been removed from the front gate. Uh, they, they've had this, this falling out, this divorce and, um, and he's returning and we know that they're going to click because they both like Elvis, but also because uh, she was, I mean, the wings symbolized being the guardian angel of Chuck this whole time. But we learned a lot about Bettina in that time, too. And that was part of the problem that some people had at the end where they're like, well, we don't even sure he's going to end up with the Texas welder, but we don't know anything about her. Not true. We actually know a ton about her, that her husband was cheating on her with this Russian mistress. He was going on these like business trips or whatever without her. She was back taking care of the ranch. She's an Elvis fan. She gets along well with people, joking around with the FedEx. She's a great customer of FedEx, and she relies on it for her business, and she's 
you know, made it on her own, just like Chuck Nolan made it on his own on the island. So there's a lot of these really great details that they tie in. And uh, I just appreciate that more and more every time I watch it. We actually know a lot more about these fringe characters than initially meets the eye. Wow. That's incredible. Now I need to just rewatch it. Because uh, I, I also I feel like the, the whole the movie in my memory only really starts with him giving his FedEx speech. Like that's what I remember mm. the movie starting at. Maybe I just grabbed some popcorn. I, I don't know. But like that whole opening scene with Bettina, her whole scene. I'm like, wait a second. This movie starts and ends the same way because we have that that actual literal crossroads and then they turn right and then it ends the same way that 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 i think i was seeing it for the first time ever i'm like oh wait it begins as it ends and it ends as it begins uh and i just like that imagery uh but i also didn't realize how a big of a role fedex played um not because previously like we said it was like product placement as i was seeing it but it is a character because a big takeaway from this movie that I realized this time around is that like there, there's not that big of a the moral of the story is spend time with the ones you love because you never know if you're going to be able to spend time with them or not. But I just saw that this was a huge movie about destinations um, and FedEx is a literal vehicle for that. Um, and uh you know, the we are we in life are constantly going someplace and we all end up somewhere. Um, and I really picked up on that theme more because I'm like FedEx isn't just um, a really nice uh, product placement thing. But people were based surrounding their lives around whether or not uh, they their package would be somewhere or they would physically be somewhere. Um, whether it was um, Tom Hanks saying, oh, well, there's ice in the road. Well, we need to get these packages over here. Or he needed to be with his family for Christmas or he couldn't be there. So he had to be in the car when he was going to propose. Um, and so just like just the the hurriedness of where we need to be, um, yeah. it's always moving on to the next place. And then you have Tom Hanks actually being stranded on this island and actually having to sit still. Uh, for a significant amount of time and find a new pattern and a new rhythm. Um, and it wasn't until that uh, piece of the porter potty landed there and it ended up here that changed the course of his direction. Um, mm. And he's like, wait, if I have this, then I can actually go out. Um, and even when he decided to go out, um, like he... He didn't even like it's weird because he doesn't have a compass. He doesn't have much of anything. He knows that he has a search radius of something like twice the size of Texas, but he knows that he has to be away from the island and he is just en route somewhere else. And it's just uh, a huge transportation movie that I realized. Uh, it's like a much more emotional planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, <laughs> and that movie is already pretty emotional. Uh, but yeah, I, I picked up on that this time more than I ever have before. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, a story of appreciation, too. You see a lot of that in the, in that final act where you know, he just flicks a switch and the lighter comes on. And he's like, I took that for granted. Or he, he opens the, um, the Swiss Army knife and he's just like, 
that would have been so useful if I had had that. Uh, I mean, even what you're saying, like he was so angry that the ice was covering the roads when he's in Russia. And then when he's on the plane, he's like, ice, I love ice. He can't get enough ice now. And just his entire perspective has has changed. And it is that feeling of like you have to lose something of your past self to be a better version of your future self. I think there's just so much to unpack from this movie, which is why I never get tired of rewatching it. Um, I, I can watch this over and over and over again. And it's it's a treat every single time. Oh, Grayson, you know what? I think now is the perfect time. Sorry. Um, actually got a package in the mail. Give me a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's some good package, Foley. Oh, thank you. Okay. Let's see. Let's go ahead and... Oh my gosh, Grayson! <laughs> yeah, my new head cannon came in the mail. Oh, head cannon! <laughs> head cannon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So, my biggest piece of head cannon—I mean, I, I'm just going to get a couple out of the way. Uh, Cloud Atlas, check. Um, uh, uh, Waterworld, uh, super, 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 super prequel, uh, check. And um, and I would throw Fight Club in there, but at least an honorable mention. Um, uh, but I think my biggest uh, legitimate piece of headcanon um, that I think this movie points evidence to uh, is that this is Haley Joel Osment's story, a.k.a. Uh, Forrest oh, Gump Forrest Jr. Jr. Oh man! So because um, of Elvis, solely because of the uh, the theme <laughs> of Elvis throughout the entire movie, and I, if I see Tom Hanks and hear an Elvis reference, it's just gonna happen. Um, and largely just that um, he he grew up, and I don't know if his actual name is Forrest Jr. Or if that was like a family nickname kind of thing. Um, mm, which is, mm, oh, yeah, Forrest mm. Jr. But his actual name is uh, Chuck Nolan. Yeah. Uh, I watched a really interesting video that was saying that cast away. And maybe this is headcanon. So cast away is one word. Like the actual definition for cast away is one word. Someone who is lost at sea. Um, but cast space away is also kind of his name. Chuck, which yeah. means to throw or cast. And oh. Noland, no land away. Um, and so the movie's the the movie's title is actually about like like cat like to throw away or to cast apart kind of thing. Um, oh. And he plays opposite Helen Hunt and he has to hunt and feels like he's in hell. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So that's mm. another little video. <laughs> little mini headcanon uh but going back to like that whole idea of it being uh forrest jr i think forrest jr just went off and like that's just the path that he took um and that he went on to um you know lead a fedex corporation uh, or be at least a fedex executive and that's just his life and that is his very fantastical um story that he experienced i was getting serious uh uh Forrest Gump vibes when yes. he's in the the hangar of the airport airport and like he's on TV <laughs> yes, looking around just standing right there. But then also when he's at the door in the rain and it's Helen Hunt there, I'm like, man, yeah, I, I, he really has a thing yep. for women that start with long blonde hair and then get that haircut. Yep, 
Years later. Years later. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that, that really makes it fit. Yep. So uh, at first I was like, Tom Hanks, concerned with time, has got a pocket watch. Easy. Polar Express. Um, <laughs> oh, that, that tracks. I like and, it. And then, well, my legitimate headcanon, I, I got two of them. One of them, the, the short one I kind of already touched on, it, it involves Bettina. And I think everyone, I mean, I would love to hear headcanon on our social media platforms at Flashback Flicks, your headcanon for what was actually in the package, mm-hmm. um, because that kind of becomes the great debate of, you know, what is it? What could it have been? My belief is that the, and it ultimately it doesn't really matter because it got him to his destination, but my belief in, in keeping it in the tight storytelling of this world is that those were the divorce papers between Dick and Bettina. So when he's opening all of the other packages, he at one point pulls out the divorce papers for another couple. um, And it makes sense that it just would have been in the same shipment from the same lawyer. So that he was actually delivering the closure that Bettina was looking for. Sure, they had to refile all that. But in a sense, it was closure for that relationship as he starts a new one. So that's what I believe was in the package the whole time. Wow. Now, my more fantastical headcanon... <laughs> Ready for it. ...is that Chuck was the victim of corporate espionage and got incepted on that flight in Southeast Asia, except he immediately died in the dream in his first level and went to limbo. So that uh, it makes Chuck unique because he was able to switch totems halfway through his experience from the pocket watch to Wilson. And so then when he loses Wilson, he's able to wake up. He actually wakes up on the raft and then he gives the pocket watch back. So he's able to move on. But his final totem then becomes the unopened FedEx package. And the twist is that he was in a dream when he gets back home all along. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I lost the thread a long time wow. ago. But it was Inception. <laughs> yeah. You know, you actually reminded me um, of, about one of my um, other uh, very obscure headcanons. Um, what do toys dream of, Grayson? Um by being human, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I guess. <laughs> Therefore, Castaway is what Castaway. Woody dreams of, and he he is actually conquering his fears um, of being cast aside after Andy gets his new oh. toy. He believes he will be stranded on an island with no one else. That's why he would befriend a ball, which is more of an abstract. It's basically this movie is uh, forecasting um, all of the future Toy Story movies uh, and the themes about like Andy not needing him anymore, him being forgotten and him making friends with an abstract toy that is not a conventional toy uh, that is mostly made up from the imagination of its owner. Um, And so. Wow. Wow. yeah, Toy Story Theory. There you have it. Well, you know, we've been needing some more characters to round out our uh, fan art challenge. Mm-hmm. I think Castaway Woody <laughs> with a Luxo Wilson volleyball is exactly what we need. Yes, yes, yes. 
All right, now we're going to go to a part of the show where we like to talk to you about recasts and remakes. Recasts or remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? For me, it's so hard to recast Castaway. Um, yeah. But the I think the only way to do that is to um, make it more experiential. Uh, so I would make Castaway a VR experience. Um but I would mm-hmm. also kind of loop it in to uh, what I've seen with the Groundhog Day um, VR experience of you basically having to be in the simulation and you don't know how the passage of time is happening. Um, oh. And so you start like finding letters and you're like, wait a second, the, these dates are jumping by. M- how long have I been here? Has it been months? Have I been here for months? It feels like I've been here for like. 20 minutes uh that kind of experience i think would be really really fascinating um that'd be interesting would you be able to hear what wilson was saying to you oh you kind of have to right if that's how you're experiencing the island yeah just I like because they so, actually yeah. wrote lines for wilson Get so out. tom hanks knew what was being said he's no. not just pausing and improvising like there were actually scripted lines get out so you, yeah I I want to know what that is. That's amazing. <laughs> he said, I am Groot. <laughs> of course. I, I think that's as far as the storyline, uh, that what that would be what the storyline would be. I think cast-wise, um, I would love to keep it in the Hanks family. Um, so um Tom Hanks' son would be a really great get Colin Hanks. Yeah, get Colin Hanks up all up in there. Um, but if not uh, largely because he certainly has a type. Um, I would just love to see um, either Bear Grylls just put on some acting chops or really just, you know, survive on an island because, I don't know, I feel like that would be good to watch. Uh, but also, I think the... Uh, I would love to see Andy Serkis. Um, no mocap suit. I just want to see real-life Andy Serkis uh, make his way through because I feel like he would just ultimately turn into a dragon by the end of it. Um, <laughs> and I want to see that. I really yeah. do. My recast, there was really only one actor that came to mind for a recast of this script. And that's John Krasinski. Oh, um, well, I mean, comedic yeah. actor who has transitioned very well into drama. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know what? I think audiences would be okay with him being shirtless for two hours. Um, not an issue. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just think he would be excellent uh, in this role and have that kind of quiet place intensity um, that he had and uh, really command that that entire middle part of, of the movie. I think, you know, they, you mentioned lost was kind of born from trying to make this a series the first time. Um, I think you'd be able to do it, especially in a short form, like a quibby type show, which they, uh, they've already done to a certain degree with Sophie Turner survive is kind of Mm -hmm. along the same route. Uh, I think, uh, that's more kind of like Alpine forest, uh, environment. I think you could do it for this as well. Maybe a season two of that. Um, but this, you know, the desert Island story is it's been done many, many times. What makes Castaway unique are the personal stakes and, um, like his specific character. And so, 
Um, I would even like, it's hard to do a sequel, right? Because he's can't, he can't be cast away again. Cause then you're like, this is unbelievably bad luck for this guy. <laughs> yeah. But it, it would be, uh, you know, just kind of nice to, to check in and see how he's doing or on his, he and Bettina's kid or whatever. But, um, I just love living in this space so much that I would take whatever extra uh, story we could get from it. Yeah. But it is so tight and, and constructed so well that it's, it's hard. You, you want to experience more, but you also don't at the same time, kind of the back to the future paradox where you're like, ah, let's not mess with it. You know? Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I only think it would be worth exploring other characters in that world um, or mm-hmm. other people impacted by it. Cause I mean, you know, if if we're talking about like kind of like what a recasting of this movie is and really someone who is thrown through the Zemeckis ringer. I mean, look at Flight with Denzel Washington. Oh, uh, yeah, man. He loves to crash. He, planes. he just wants that more than ever. Uh, I mean, he he's he's really good at taking people on. Um, really emotional self-discovering journeys. Um, and and I <laughs> yeah. think that, I mean, Flight, I would say, is probably like a spiritual successor to Castaway. Um, just because, just that it would exist in the same world um, and would go through those um, similar themes of survival um, and what, you know, drives um, humans to move forward or to go on and so yeah i think if anything i think i would love to see uh a sequel to this movie but it's not revealed until bruce willis is at a diner and someone else is like oh yeah this reminds me of that one time when that fedex plane crashed what what do they call that castaway but i actually would love to see a version of this where Denzel Washington's character from Flight was the only survivor on a desert island, except instead of talking to a volleyball, he talks to an empty bottle of whiskey named Jack. (laughs) All right, now we're going to go into our final segment of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Castaway? I recommend Castaway because the story works so well partially because there's inherent conflict with the life and death stakes. Um, it's not just about uh, you know man versus nature. It, he has his own inner demons that he's having to battle as well. And uh, you know when he gets back, he has to deal with, do I make the selfish choice? How do I move on? And uh, it, ultimately, it's a look at what truly makes us human. Tom Hanks wanted to write a story about how could someone you know, overcome the five basic needs. And uh, I, I think it executes on that. And each one is really explored along the way. Um, at the beginning of the film, you know, Tom Hanks's character is consumed with distractions. He devotes his time to things that don't ultimately matter. But in the end, we discover what people really need. Um, and that's other people. Um, he's able to overcome, you know, the water, food, shelter, clothing, all, all that. He tries to overcome the need for companionship with Wilson. Um, but ultimately, that's an object that's lost as well. 
And uh, and even when he loses his true companion that was bringing him back, he has hope that he can reconnect with that again. And um, that's certainly a relevant message in our current situation. People feeling more isolated than they maybe ever have before. And I, I love, absolutely love that monologue, that one shot, like three and a half minute shot when he's talking to his friend at the end when he's saying, uh, I was on that island. I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought I was going to die. And he's, tell, he's walking him through the despair that he felt and how alone he felt. And he said, I know what I have to do now. I, I have to keep breathing because tomorrow the sun will rise and who knows what the tide will bring in. And I think it's such an important message for anyone that's feeling alone, who's feeling isolated, that tomorrow the sun will rise and we don't know what the future has for us. So that's why I recommend Castaway. Man, well said. Yeah, I recommend Castaway because there. I feel like there is an infinite number of times you can see this movie and uh, take away something new. And it also is a movie that kind of lets you decide how it ends in different ways. I remember the first time I watched it, I was just like, oh, yeah, this movie's ending is really all about like how cool it is to just be alive and don't take for granted the things that you have ready access to. But this time I watched it, I'm like, oh, man, this this is about like moving on and survival and just living life no matter what your hand is dealt or what I forget how the phrase goes. No matter what dice you have in your hands, you can always draw a new deck. I don't know. <laughs> Overall, I think that th there are multiple opportunities for you to take something new away from this movie. Um, and that, you know, we're not as isolated as we could be. Um, and I think that it's a, for me, it was a good reminder of like, yeah, you know what? We have access to a lot of things and it made me feel a little bit calmer and grateful that I was not stuck on a deserted Island for four years without Netflix. Cause he didn't, he could have missed out on tiger King and a lot of things that I'm really grateful I have access to. Uh, <laughs> So watch Castaway because you will have multiple opportunities to just see how good Tom Hanks is in uh, a lot of different environments. And that's my reason to recommend. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank it's you. Beautiful. Thank you. And that is our review of the 2000 movie. It feels so weird to just say 2000. Uh, 2000? <laughs> 2000. Uh, the, the year 2000 movie, Castaway. Let us know what you remember about Castaway on our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean a box of ice skates to us. Uh, because the ice skates really came in clutch. If you can leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice, if you're listening to this on any podcasting platform, uh, leave us a rating and review on a scale of one to five Wilsons. Because you can never have too many friends. Yeah, that's right. One Wilson is good. Five. <laughs> hey, it's it's a party. Uh, or a, a very busy volleyball court. You decide. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Mm.
next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Because we just can't wait to get back in action out into the world, running amok, we are going to live vicariously through the not sequel to Space Jam, Looney Tunes Back in Action. Maybe it's about physical therapy and they threw their back out and now their back is back in action. That is has to be the only reason. In fact, I'm going to accept it as the reason, regardless of what they tell us otherwise. Oh, good. We already got the review out of the way. Perfect. (laughs)